John chapter 1 again, and we'll finish off our brief series on the doctrine of Christmas, Christ's incarnation. And let's see, last week uh, we spoke a little bit about the, the doctrine in relation to, to Jesus, and we defined it a bit more um, biblically, a bit deeper. We spoke about... Um, we spoke about some false views of incarnation, um, and then also then looked at the biblical view of it, and looked at the those um, what the Bible teaches in regard to that, and then we started to look at um, some evidence in regard to to Christ's incarnation. We spoke about his uh, pre-incarnate um, existence and what he was doing prior to his incarnation. Um, whether he appeared prior to, to Bethlehem. And so we looked at those um, really briefly. And so we'll continue that and pick up that thought, but let's just read our, our key text here as we get started. Uh, John 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came to his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And then uh, verse 14, And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. All right, let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to bless. Father, thank you again for... Lord, just the, the wonderful, wonderful thing it is to be able to think about and, and study through, Lord, your birth and the significance of, of your entry into this world in human flesh. Lord, we recognize that, um, Lord, there, you had a great purpose in it. And Lord, as we look into that, uh, look into uh, your scripture to reinforce that truth, uh, would you just solidify that once again in our hearts and perhaps even to be able to give an answer to those who are searching. And so I pray that you'd help us, dear God, and, and we pray and ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. So we'll pick it up there. We, we looked at well, his, his appearances prior to Bethlehem. Now we'll look at some uh, just Old Testament prophecies of the incarnation of Christ and, and really just the major ones, and then look at the, uh, the New Testament um, demonstrations of the incarnation of Christ. So uh, look at Isaiah chapter 7, Let's, to begin with, Isaiah chapter 7. So we'll turn to different passages of Scripture, um, and, and hopefully the, the Bible drill helps you keep up, warmed up. And Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, and uh, let's read verse 1 and then move through the, the, uh, move through the chapter just to get context. It came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that Rezin, the king of Syria... And Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, went up toward Jerusalem to war against it, but could not prevail. So 
they were in a, in a time of war. The, the house of Judah, the house of Israel were warring. And it was told the house of David saying, Syria is confederate with Ephraim and his heart was moved and the heart of his people as the trees of the woods are moved with the wind. So, it's, so a confederacy started to form between Syria and Israel to fight against Judah. And so let's skip down uh, to verse 10. And here, moreover, the Lord spoke, uh, spake again unto Ahaz, saying, Ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. And he says this, and he said, Hear ye now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men? But will ye weary my God also? And here's the, the, um, uh, the continuing verse in, in uh, prophecy of the incarnation of Christ. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Um, butter and honey shall he eat and he, that he may know to refuse evil, the evil and choose the good. For before the child shall know to refuse evil and choose the good, the land that thou abhorrest shall be forsaken of both her kings. So it was foretelling of the situation of which Christ was going to enter into the world. All right. Um, now look at Isaiah chapter 9. So a couple of chapters over. Isaiah chapter 9 and uh, verses 6 and 7. And... Um, here, for unto us a child is born, okay, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David, and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And so these, these, um, these particular verses are, are prophecies of the incarnation of Christ. And often we hear these quoted during Christmas time. And really it was, it was foretelling of, of Christ's coming and uh, entry into this world. And um, I referred to this earlier, but let's look at uh, this also in Micah chapter 5. So turn to Micah chapter 5. And remember we we're speaking about the wise men. They headed to Jerusalem and they were searching for the king of the Jews. And the, the scribes and the Pharisees, they referred to this in answer to Herod. Um, so look at, look at chapter 5, Micah chapter 5, and uh, verses 1 and 2. Now gather thyself in troops, O daughter of troops, he hath laid siege against us. They shall smite the judge of Israel with a rod upon the cheek. But thou, Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little, among the thousands of Judah. Yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. And um, it's interesting if you, if you think about Micah and Isaiah in, in, um, in proximity, um, that they were written in that, in that um, same, uh, same era. And, and notice in Micah 1, the word of the Lord that came to Micah the Morristite, in the days of Jotham, Ahaz and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. So they were writing in that, that um, they were contemporaries, they were writing in that similar um, time frame, and they wrote of the coming Messiah, but uh, specifically that he was going to be born, and he was going to be virgin born, and then specifically in Micah where 
he was going to be situated. So those are the major ones. We can look at Genesis chapter 3, uh, Numbers chapter 24 that, that we mentioned this morning. Uh, but those are the major ones where it was foretold um, in prophecy regarding Christ's birth. Now, regarding uh, the New Testament, uh, New Testament um, demonstrations of his incarnation, we can see a couple of things. Firstly, we can see some announcements. So Luke, look at Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. It's hard to say. Luke at Luke, all right? Luke chapter 1. And um, notice with me here. Luke 1, and look at um, look at verse 17. This is to um, Zechariah. Um, notice here, And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, to the, the disobedient, to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. All right, and then again in verse 76. So go down to verse 76. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way. Now speaking here really about, uh, about John the Baptist, but in, in, um, in mentioning John and an announcement of his birth, uh, again, John's, John's role was just contingent upon the arrival of the Savior. And so in mentioning John and his, this child, what he, he should do, it's also foretelling or announcing the coming of the Lord. All right? Um, then also, obviously, to Mary. Look at uh, here in the chapter, verse 31, Luke one thirty one. So the angel said unto to her in verse 30, uh, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And then the announcement here, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. Um, and then he, in verse 35, so skipping down, verse 35, and the angel answered and said unto thee, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. Remember, she asked the question, how shall this thing be? Seeing I know not a man. So he explains it, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So these are announcements in the New Testament in demonstration of, of Christ's incarnation. Um, also to, to, um, to Elizabeth, look at, um, look at verse 42. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? So again, um, Remember when, they, when, when Mary visited and the, the, the babe leaped in her womb for joy and then she was filled to prophesy and she, she spoke out about the Lord, all right? Um, and then also to Joseph, okay, look at Matthew chapter 1 now. Go to Matthew. And um, look at verses 20 and 21. And uh, remember he was considering to put her away um, privily. He didn't want to make a public example of her, of Mary. 
Um, but then he, notice here, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So again, another announcement, and, and we won't take the time, but you can look at uh, the shepherds in Luke chapter 2. You can look at the wise men in Matthew 2. We spoke about them this morning. Um, you can look at Luke chapter 2 and verses 25 to 32 to Simeon, and then also to Anna in Luke 2.38. So all of these were announcements of, of, um, of Jesus' birth, all right, the Son of God um, in the flesh. Uh, we can look at the reasons also. So we can look at the reasons of the incarnation. So not only the announcements, we can look at the reasons. And again, there are many biblical reasons why Christ came into this world. Okay, God, God never does anything without having a good reason. Okay, and it's the same with the incarnation. We have the following. Okay, so firstly, um, to confirm the promises of God. All right, um, all of this is uh, prophecy is really the litmus test of God's authority and God's sovereignty and God's, um, God's ability to be in the end and in the beginning. And, and all of these were, uh, were prophesied, as we saw in the Old Testament. But also, uh, look at Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. And I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing a lot of references at you, but um, I want to be done in time tonight. I, I noticed the first week that we covered this, and I finished by 7 o'clock, the joy on your faces. So I just want to see that again, all right? Filled me with joy. But Romans 15, verse 8. Some of you are like, oh, no, Pastor. No, I know the truth. All right, so. uh, verse 8 says, Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God. Notice this. To, uh, to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. And so it was to confirm. So again, when we speak about, and I think we, we cover this when, when we spoke about you know, those promises made and those announcements made to, to Elizabeth and Mary, that, again, in, when, we, when we, we can cling to the promises of God, and one of the great proofs of that is, is Jesus' um, coming into this world. That's the, one of the great proofs that we can trust in the promises of God. All right, so to confirm the promises of God, uh, also to save sinners, He came to seek and to save that which was lost, so that's another reason, a great reason, isn't it? Um, look, at, look at 1 Timothy. And uh, we'll look at this, 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. And so He came to save sinners. All right, uh, look at chapter 2. And verses, um, verses 5 and 6, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. So one of the major reasons why Jesus Christ came into this world in the flesh was to save sinners. And I think we understand that, but I think sometimes we take that a little bit for granted. He, he performed a miracle, the thing that was impossible, so that we can be saved. 
so that, so that man could have a way to be saved. Um, we can also see that it was to reveal God the Father. One of the reasons that Jesus came was to reveal God the Father. Um, look at John 14.9. John 14.9. Uh, Philip, in verse 8, says, uh, Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father, and how sayest thou then, show us the Father? So it's to reveal God the Father. It's also, another reason is to become a faithful high priest. Look at Hebrews chapter 5. And there's a lot of references in Hebrews. Um, but we'll look at this one specifically. If you want and you have um, the time through the week, you can look at uh, Hebrews 2.17, Hebrews 3.1, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 to 16, but look at Hebrews 5. It says, For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Who can have, who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way? For that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. And by reason hereof he ought, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer for sins. And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. And notice verse 5, So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest. But he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. And so again, part of the reason why Jesus Christ came in the flesh is to become a faithful high priest who, who was able to, to um, understand and was, not, uh, was able to, to, to understand our infirmity. All right? And um, then also to put away sin. Look at 1 John chapter 3. So another reason, another reason he came was to put away sin. Um, 1 John 3, verse 5, And ye know that He was manifested to take away our sins, and in Him is no sin. That's such a great verse. Um, and then also, and I'm not reading all the references, there's a lot more. Um, you, can, you can get this list from me if you're, you're interested. But then another reason is that He came to destroy the works of Satan. He says that in verse 8 of the same chapter, He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that He might destroy the works of the devil. And really, you can cross-reference uh, reference that to Genesis 3.15. That, that first prof uh, prophecy of Christ's coming, okay? he, he, He's, he's going to destroy the works of Satan. Um, the next reason is to give us an example of a holy life. Look at 1 Peter 2.21. Okay, look at 1 Peter 2.21. Notice there, for even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that you should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, 
that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. For you were a sheep going astray, but now are, are, but are now re- returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. And so he came so that we can follow his steps to give us an example. All right? And, and you know, we can't look at, um, look at God and, and say, you know, you, you don't know what it's like to traverse this world. Actually, he does. As the Son of God, he came in flesh. He was born into this world so that, so that uh, he could understand, he could he could say and show that he lived a holy life. He can be an example to us in that way. But then also principally to glorify the Father. Look at John 13, 31. John 13, 31. John 13, 31. Notice here, Therefore when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. And so, one of the reasons why He came was to glorify the Father. Uh, we can see also, not only in the announcements, uh, the, a demonstration of His incarnation, but also the reasons, but also in, the, in teachings. And, and we won't go through these uh, here. We can see John the Baptist teaching. We, we really see that in John chapter 1, verse 30. We can see that in the teaching of the Apostle John, which we're, we're, we're looking through in John chapter 1. The teaching of the Apostle Paul um, in Philippians 2, 5 to 8, but also Galatians 4, 4. And really just, just to, um, to bring up a point here, some have pointed to the apparent silence in Paul's teaching about the incarnation. Okay, in particular the virgin birth. However, Paul could not have believed, okay, as we read through all of his writings, as is evident in his writings, in the deity, pre-existence, sinlessness, and headship of Christ, without first being convinced that Jesus' coming into this world was no ordinary birth. It just, it just couldn't be possible. We can see also the teachings of Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. But then, then uh, evidently, in, in Christ's claims of Himself. And we can see that in John chapter 6, uh, John chapter 8. Uh, we can see that in, in, in places where uh, He claims glory and and. Christ claims glory for Himself as the Son. And we know that in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 8, that God says He won't share His glory. Um, He won't do that. And so we see then, again, that Christ, what He taught about Himself was He was God come, the Son of God, come in in human flesh. And so let's let's, um, finish off with just a a quick thought here regarding the the virgin birth. And maybe you're, you're thinking, well, we understand the the incarnation, we understand that He had to come in human flesh. But did it have to be a virgin birth? And you know, we live in a day where really we're not even, um, uh, we're, 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 we're living in a world where, where truth is, is, is treated skeptically. You know, we're, we're really, uh, a, lot of, a lot of the things that we, we see just are clear in Scripture. Many have, have tried to debunk and debate that. And so it's important for us to, to really affirm this point about the, the incarnation. It, it had to be a virgin birth. Had to be. All right? It's of utmost importance to the doctrine of incarnation is the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Someone said it this way, that the virgin birth of Christ makes salvation both intelligent and respectable. Only a sinless life could atone for the sins of mankind. So God performed the impossible. 
Here at Bethlehem, God upset the bio- biological process of human birth by placing a man-child within Mary by the divine agency of the Holy Spirit. The God who made Eve without the help of a woman made Christ without the help of a man. That's the miracle of Christmas. And so it's important to, to just conclude with that. See, the birth of Jesus isn't rare. All right? God, God had miraculously given to children to others before. It's not rare. It's unique. All right? He was born without a human father. And the, the miracle wasn't the birth itself, but the conception of Christ's earthly body. And, and Jesus' distinctive birth, it's not a myth or a random fact from the Gospels. It's, a, it's this special honor conferred only on the Son of God. And it's a full, it is full of significance for knowing the person of Christ and God who has revealed Himself in Him. Um, someone said this, The virgin birth is posted on guard at the door of the mystery of Christmas. And none of us must think of hurrying past it. It stands on the threshold of the New Testament, blatantly supernatural, defying our rationalism, informing us that all that follows belongs to the same order as itself, and that if we find it offensive, there is no point in proceeding further. That's how important it is. And, and so we, we see in Scripture, we see Mary's record of it in Luke chapter 1. We see Joseph's record of it. We, we won't take the time to read those. But the importance of the virgin birth, there's a, the couple, a couple of reasons, and I'll go through them really quickly, to highlight the supernatural. And on the one hand, um, on the one end, Jesus' life lies his, uh, his supernatural conception and birth. And then later on, we see his resurrection. And, and really, all of this is to show forth um, that, that God's, God's working in his life. Um, also to show that, that humanity needed redeeming. All right, the fact that humanity couldn't produce its own redeemer implies that its sin and guilt are so great that its Savior had to come from outside means. God Himself had to intervene. And we see that Romans 8.3, For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemns sin in the flesh. It also... Uh, Another reason had to be the virgin birth was to define God's plan of redemption. Um, She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Um, Someone said, said this in regard to this, if the virgin birth of Jesus is untrue, then the story of Jesus... Did I turn that off? All right, then um, notice here, if, if Mary is nothing more than a sinful con artist, then neither she nor her son uh, should be trusted because both the clear teachings of Scripture about the beginning of Jesus' earthly life and the character of, um, of Mary are, is at stake. We must contend for the virgin, virgin birth of Jesus Christ. But then also, lastly, to declare Christ's deity. All right? And, and, and really, that's the crux of the matter. So what are the implications for us if we... The virgin birth, about the virgin birth. Here's the implication. Christ alone is our mediator. It's Him and Him alone. Uh, 1 Timothy 2.5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men. But then also, lastly, Christ alone is our redeemer. It's Christ alone. It's not, not through a system. It's through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And so Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby 
we must be saved. And so, I know I went through that quickly, and here's what I want to say. Um, we're going to cover, if you're interested, we are going to cover the life of Christ, and we'll cover this in more detail for Institute next year. So part of the reason I wanted to give this was to also whet your appetite. Hopefully you can sign up for that, um, and, and we'll announce that in due course. All right. So the incarnation of the Son of God is the reason we celebrate Christmas. We rejoice because He willingly put on a robe of flesh and came to be a perfect sacrifice for you and I. Jesus is the central figure of our faith. He is the central figure of history and His birth through a virgin highlights His claims and gives us confidence in Him as our Savior. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank You, Lord, um, for just, just the, the amount of evidence in Scripture. Just points to the, the reality of Your incarnation, the demonstration of it, and the validity of it. I pray that you'd help us as we, we go through this season not to be enamored with how others would celebrate it, but really truly in our hearts rejoice in that you, you came to be our Savior, that you came in, in the, the likeness of sinful flesh as, as the Son of God to be our perfect sacrifice on the cross. And Lord, thank you for, for engaging in that. Lord, thank you for the hope that we have in that. And Lord, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. All right, let's